0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Lost Art Podcast. I'm Paul, and I'm here with Gar. That's me. I was going to say the Lost Art Podcast, not just Lost Art. Po- I normally say Lost Art Live. No, Lost Art Podcast. Um, today, we're doing one that I found really interesting, actually. I didn't think it was going to be as interesting. I thought it was going to be more taxing on us, but we developed a way to make it um, a little bit less taxing and hopefully a little less long. Although, we said that last time we went over one of our longest podcasts after we yeah. tried to shorten it. This one is called origins now i'll explain it by asking you have you ever heard a song that you know is maybe older than a song that you know and you think to yourself did that influence that song Mm. is, is that where that person's sound comes from so basically i think both of us are probably going on a hunch I very much a hunch, a hunch anyway that i didn't like know for a fact that any of these people were influenced by this person i had some inklings and some and it, some i some i was fairly sure of but i'd never dug into and i wanted to find it myself i'm sure you, i think you did the same yeah very much. pretty much pretty much the same way so there's certain songs i've heard and i've checked like this like that's that song from 1987 i'm like holy shit that could be off that album from 2000 like it could be off it directly so these are not considered rip-offs or any. Like we're not, we're not just mm. claiming that the latter artist took uh, took from it. Uh, although in one case, it's free-hearted deny um, yeah. If anyone else listens to this and thinks, "Oh, do you know what's a better example of that song?" Tell us. That band? Tell us. Let us know in the yeah. comment section as well. But um, we, we want to know. Yeah, we want to know if there's a better example of that, or if your own examples as well. Yeah, definitely. This is the, so like maybe the prototype of the song. You know, it could be a band an entire band sound it yeah. could be just one song it could be an album or a period yeah. in their career that you're like that was definitely influenced because everything is influenced by something oh, yeah. In some cases i found weird ways they were influenced someone else and then they were still being influenced by the main one mm. but were being influenced by the other influenced artists as well <laughs> crazy crazy <laughs> crossovers <laughs> so so we'll be playing we'll be playing the the, the original the art what we consider is the origin song and then we'll be playing the one that kind of we feel was influenced by it. Yeah. And then there's some along the way that we found that, uh, that we'll be playing as well. And exactly. But, uh, so, yeah. Um, I suppose, let me hear what your first one is. Do you want to explain your own Did Do you want to go with the yeah, so, first or whatever?
1: I, um, I think what I'm going to do from my ones, just the, the way my brain worked, is I kind of started at the latest. So... I've picked for my fourth one. Yes. I've picked the song "Drunken Lullaboys by Flog and Molly. Okay, yeah, it's now, a great song. Actually, it is actually a great song. Now, by doing this, I've kind of inadvertently, um, kind of torn asunder the the world and come up with the origins of kind of trad punk or Celtic punk, whatever, whatever well, you want. That's what happened to me about. with a
0: couple of them as well. Yeah. We taught, I, taught, it, it, I don't know what we were thinking, thinking it was going to link back to one band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just not. Where we go? Can we go from point A to point B? Yeah, except
1: all the points in the middle. Exactly, all the point A, point 1, point 2, point 3 Yeah. yeah. Um, so I always like this song. I always like this band. Um, I don't love this band. I like the the first album or two. Were kind of mm-hmm. fun, and then after a while, it's that they're selling flat caps to Americans. Do you know what the, I mean?
0: The scope, the scope for for a band like this is slim.
1: Yeah, very much so. Now I'm drinking iced tea with vodka in it. It's Pretty oh, nice. nice peach, peach ice be, tea. that's,
0: that's got to be some sort of uh, southern luxury, American so. southern might luxury. Be, Yeah,
1: might be so peach iced tea with oh. vodka in it. God damn, it's delicious. It um, it's also very early for me to be drinking. I have to. It, it to is. We're
0: doing it a little bit early because we're doing it. We're doing. We're doing a Patreon
1: one after oh, this. As well, so. secret Patreon. Well, not not yeah. secret. We're doing the thing for Patreon later. Um for So pick, yeah. okay. So I picked Drunken Lullaby. So I I kind of. I kind of have to go back so far, okay? So they're obviously like a, a... What would you even call it? Celtic punk is what the Americans might call it. Over here, we'd more call it Tr- trad punk. Trad punk, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, I know what
0: you're saying, by the time it gets to Flogging Molly in America, can't, it's not that traddy.
1: Yeah, well... It's sort of yeah, an idea of trad. Exactly. Now, the basis of all of these bands is the Pogues. And we're going to cover the Pogues now in a second, okay? Yeah. So the Pogues essentially invented this almost by accident all right right now they they came about it in a very strange way but i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about the pogs now in a second but the first thing i want to do is i want to play one of the first known examples of kind of trad punk okay and it's the, okay. Sk- the skids who are a scottish band that formed in the kind of mid late 70s and put out a bunch of great albums first couple of albums are fantastic i, I think i even played i played one or two skid songs on the radio before and uh, they, right. they went down well, like Into the Valley and stuff. Like that it was a big, big song of theirs that done particularly well. Right. But by the time it gets around 1981, the skids start getting more interested in kind of uh, traditional music. Now, they put out this album and uh, what the fuck is the album called? The album is called Joy, I think. Yeah, Joy. And um, it just has this weird Aryan looking dude in the front of it. It's mad looking. Even though they a Scottish band, it's just blonde kind of, face painted face it's a mad looking album cover even for a punk band Um Mm. so they put out this album and starts off kind of skittish e and then all of a sudden they start throwing in more kind of traditional scottish instruments and traditional scottish songs which kind of are, are sideways to traditional irish songs so this would have gotten an awful lot of people interested in the idea of like what you're starting to see now, in particular in Ireland, where like young people are starting to listen to traditional Irish music again. And it, it's almost cool. Yeah. It's cool again. Because
0: they're, they're changing their names to like, Colimo. Oh yeah. yeah you'll, <laughs> see
1: them on, you'll see people on Facebook. And that's, there's half the reason they're doing that, I think, is to hide from the Facebook algorithms. And the other half is to just be cool. You know, I'm Marcus O'Dovenale. You know what I mean? That type of shit. Uh, that, again that's
0: fine <laughs> it's grand it wouldn't slag this if I didn't think it wasn't a load of bollocks from them but whatever yeah, yeah. some people it's not some people it's like, you know what if you're at a certain age you're allowed
1: yeah I think, so. I, think know, so
0: I don't know You have to earn your Fucking <laughs> Earn your best best say, stripes I was about to say Something <laughs> wrong there But yeah A different name yeah. earn your Celt name Yeah yeah, exactly Your Celt name Your indigenous <laughs> name um,
1: <laughs> Your slave name You were going to say I, It was just, just about The curse. Like, no, yeah, no, we're not, do we're, that curse Yeah We're absolutely. not allowed We're not allowed So um, I have I'm sitting inside the heater Because it's cold And it's too warm lads I have to keep Throwing it down and roasting here Um So the Skids brought out this album that had this weird trad stuff in it. Now, it wasn't trad punk or Celtic punk or anything like that. It was literally their attempt at doing kind of folky kind of traditional music, but they were a punk band, right? They just felt, they they accidentally, like you said, stumbled upon this. They kind of just like, we're a punk band, we're Scottish, all the other punk bands are kind of English and why don't we embrace our Scottishness and, you know, being doing the whole kind of punk thing like fuck the system we'll throw a couple of kind of trad folky songs on here to fuck with people now it has to, it has to be said as well that the skids weren't like your kind of sex pistols type band they were closer to someone like wire or something they were kind of experimental in, in very okay. in, in, in many ways you know yeah, i guess and if they're experimenting already with trad then you? Yeah. exactly like from the first album you start here you hear weird time changes and uh, weird kind of melodies and all it's very non-punk but it's definitely punk um Punk unfortunately uh backed itself into a corner about in about nineteen eighty-five and it it was pretty much over. Uh, over by then. Um it became just a kind of a stupid parody yeah. of itself. But I want to play I'm gonna play a little bit of um the skids song. The song's called uh, A Challenge. Okay um, A Challenge the Wanderer in brackets, it's called. But I just want to play a couple of seconds of this just to give you an idea. Like nobody had ever heard anything like this before. Like the punks ran out to buy the new skids album, and uh, this here is what they were confronted with. Okay.
2: The wanderer should laugh, be alone, there's something more of a mountain, so sullen and so soon I dreamed of a mountain high above the sea The guardian of beauty, custodian of freedom
1: So imagine you 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 want to go and spit in people in a club in London or whatever. Yeah, that's what you get in an album. Now, that whole well, it's song, mad, like
0: I said, has that sort of sea shanty kind of. Like, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it starts off with uh, just vocals and a tin whistle. The whole start of the yeah. song. I am um, starts off with just a tin, tin whistle. Let me just give you a quick 10, like, ten seconds of a uh, tin whistle. Here.
2: The wanderer told me of galleon shores How mystery beckons with fire lights close He spoke of danger and unholy man
1: So you get the idea. That's, that's like a six and a half minute long song. And uh, the yeah. fourth minute and a half of it is just that... Like, so yeah, you if you think... pulled
0: up bit out in the middle of a... <laughs> Punk, gig, <laughs> exactly, show. yeah,
1: exactly screaming at each other all of a sudden, yeah. Um, so what you can do is you can that album comes out in 19, uh, 1981, it's got to say 1910. Jesus Christ, that album comes well, there out. Is, when, the original
0: sounds like it might have been out in yeah, exactly. or earlier, 18. Yeah.
1: So that album Joy by the Skids comes out in 1981. Uh, the Pogues are only starting to get their shit together by now. Now, the Pogues is formed, um, the Pogues are formed by Shane McGowan and by a guy called Spider Stacy, and um. They essentially all come from a punk background. Uh, like, uh, uh, Shame again was in a band called the Nip- Nipple Erectors, which was a straight up kind of punk band, you know. <laughs> and uh, Shame again's parents, both Irish, um, emigrated to England that's where he was born. But he kind of felt more of an affinity with the Irish side of things and the English side of things. So, when the polls were getting started, they'd often collaborate with bands like the Dubliners and the Wolf Tones and all this kind of stuff as well. Yeah. So, coming from a punk background, they wanted to play kind of traditional songs. Almost every single Pogue song has like a traditional Irish uh, kind of jig or reel on it done in their particular style. So they would have their own songs and then they would have kind of covers done in their own Pogue's way. So they had all the traditional instruments. So they'd have like fucking mandolins, accordions, tin whistles, all that kind of malarkey. So they started off just covering Irish songs and then eventually kind of morphed into their own version um, of a band called the Pogues, which is a misspelling. They should be called the Pog Mahones, which the Kiss My Ass um, yeah. band. But they just kind of, which I, I think someone spelled it wrong in a magazine or something like that, and they ended up just being called the Pogues. It's too long. Um, I'm not writing that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, that's a, and there's a band called the Mahones now, the Mahones, um, right? Which is a, a, a an Irish guy living in Canada has had this kind of. Tr- celtic trad punk band for years called the mahones and um, there are as well they're decent enough so what i'm going to do is I'm going to play a little bit of pogues just to give you an idea of uh, yeah. it's 1980 this band started in 1982 this isn't their first album this is a couple of albums later Um just because it's a little bit more a little bit closer to what our, our, our uh, kind of doom key of uh flogging molly's drunken lullaboys is so i'm going to play a little bit of a sunny side of the street by the pogues All Right.
3: In a corner of black bone And the women I had like the peace All I can remember now Is a kiss You have no cheese and So I start a train And I've got a lot It went off my head I lost my family Now I'm walking on the sunny side of the street Stand on my body Set my face Trying to make it to
1: so as you can hear there's no distortion guitars that kind of that thing hasn't taken over yet um the the punk element punk element of it is very much still the idea yeah. of um, oh, do you know what i
0: do you know what i think is it might be an influence on that is van hmm? Morrison. That, oh, had a bang of, yeah. that had a bang of brown eyed girl off it. Of. <laughs> Almost that, certainly. And then, and then the song is called uh was it? The, sunny the Sunny Side of the, of street. the street. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. here's he has a song called The Bright Dark Side of Red. the Road.
1: Yeah,
0: the bra- yeah. The Bright Side Yeah, yeah I
1: don't know. Road. Just, yep. We're just throwing we're throwing shit out here now. We're throwing it out. Another Irishman as well. Um, so we're not we give him back. <laughs> um, <laughs> they can have it. Part, part of the fucking Good Friday grade. Yeah, exactly. You can have Van Van that the too. Man back. Yeah. so you got these lads who've been playing in kind of bog standard fucking 3 chord trick punk bands for years want to do more and the uh, end up that it was supposed to be um shame again and spider Stacey were supposed to share vocal duties but it ended up just being shane kind of singing because he had a little bit more swagger to him and spider would do all the backing vocals and play the tin whistle so put together this band saying well why don't we take like the kind of the, the, the style of punk and that we're going to play with a load of gargling us, which obviously got, mm. the, got the best of shine eventually. Um, we're going to play, we're going to get fucking locked and we're going to play all these jigs and reels. but will play it from a punk point of view. That way all, we're going to be introducing kind of punk fans to something new. They don't have to listen to the same fucking bands like The Exploited and The Clash or whatever the fuck, which they would have loved yeah. anyway. But why don't we give them something new to play with? So this was this was a band trying to break out of a pigeonhole. <clears throat> now by them doing this, they did. I don't think anybody can deny that they created fucking trad punk. Like there's nothing uh, later on towards in their career. You start, you start hearing a few kind of fuzzy guitars and stuff like that start to come in, and um, mm. some of the lads start guesting on other bands. Now there's a, there's a, another party to bring in here, which is the Dropkick Murphys. Dropkick Murphys are not a classical trad punk band by any means the drop more morpheus
0: you had them before we, we, we you picked them on a podcast before
1: yeah. where they were much more not straightforward punk but even touching on hardcore yeah really yeah more of a, like a hardcore street punky type of fucking america's weird it's there's so many different pigeonholes for, for these styles of music yeah. and they definitely started off like that it was more working class minimum wage fucking music is what it was but the lads were all of at the start, most of them are kind of, of Irish descent, so they they start wearing a bit of that style. They start bringing bagpipes in, which is not really a, not an Irish instrument, then in anyway. Um, I'm sure somebody was going to pull you up on that. Ilan, I'll be wrong. Pipe, yeah. pipes are Irish. Yeah. Bagpipes no, are yeah, Scottish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And And um, so they start bringing that kind of stuff. It just became this general Celtic fucking thing as opposed to an Irish thing. Now, uh, as they as the dropkick's career kind of gets out of control, they start playing up to that an awful lot more an awful yeah. lot more like their lead singer um, it's a guy called Al Barr he's fucking like his parents are German or something he's nothing to do with Ireland or Scotland or anything like that you know yeah. and um, I think maybe his great 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 grandfather was fucking Scottish maybe somewhere along the lines but um, they start kind of playing up that shipping up the Boston style fucking shite but like when you listen back to it a, a lot of their songs do have tin whistles and they do have bagpipes and they fiddles but they're generally they'll do like a ballady kind of song on an album that uses all that, or they'll use it in like a jokey song, um, right. like a piss-takey drinking song that they use it in. But the, the vast majority of their albums just guitar-based drums and a bloke shouting about raise the minimum wage or whatever the fuck the Dropkick movies have to talk about now. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about Dropkick because they're a weird side note. They kind of took everything and made Has their own thing. Now. Has to be mentioned. just a massive part of it. Now, like I said, if we're going to make it to uh, Flog and Molly, who I consider to be like the pinnacle of that, that trad punk, that Celtic punk style. Um, it was formed by an Irish guy in Dublin, a boy called Dave King. Um, it was formed here, in Dublin, while he was, uh, he, he had a band. Um, he had a fucking metal band, which is strange enough. He had a band oh, yeah. called Fastway, um, with Fast Eddie Clark from um, Motorhead, and oh, yeah. with, with, um, Pete Wall from UFO it was like a heavy metal band and they were signed to like Epic Records or Sawyer Records or one of those type of fucking record labels and they Jeez, done particularly not well yeah <laughs> done particularly well for a while like they've done a lot of touring and shit but that band eventually turned to shite because I think fucking Fast Eddie was busy and obviously UFO were busy or whatever it just kind of disintegrated so uh, Dave relocated to Los Angeles and the record label offered him a solo album because he had a big strong voice and he had one of them like what? fucking voices you yeah. know so they offered him solo album and he said "I'd oh, not to do like get album that brought in kind of traditional irish elements and all and the label said they were like fuck man we love it no they said absolutely no absolutely <laughs> not go really? go, and, go and show it is what they said oh uh, do you know what it's because he said it in la and not like new york or sort of exactly. Boston, especially yeah. yeah yeah so um the band kind of starts it's a weird one the official date for flog and molly for their formation is 1997 right he says 1997 in Dublin this is where the idea struck him as to what he was going to do but uh, I don't know about that right, I don't, right. because then then he says well, it was really like 1993 but we didn't really have a name we were just messing around and I'm like pick a fucking it was actually date, the
0: day man. I was, was actually the day I was born
1: yeah exactly that. yeah like I don't it's even actually know. nine months before that when I was conceived actually <laughs> exactly I don't even know what the first fucking, what, what date that album came out was 2002 was the first album so uh, let's 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 call it 2000, right? Let's be realistic here, right? Let's not lie. Because um, he is. And because um, I, I know they released like a live album or something like that before they released a, a recorded album and all. But yeah, yeah I, I always go with a debut album. I don't give a fuck. You can have a band. Who could say I started a fucking band when I was eight and I'm only putting the album out next year? You know what I mean? Who yeah. the fuck is to believe me? Exactly. So apparently what happened was he, he, he got a lot of his mates together, a couple of other Irish lads, a couple of people who were interested in kind of traditional instruments. And they just started playing uh, traditional Irish songs in this bar called Molly's in Los Angeles and I think it was every Monday or Tuesday night they'd go in there and just sit there for two or three hours drinking and smashing points and fucking playing songs and that's where the name of the band came from because pretty much everybody who played those sessions with them ended up in the band and he said it was just they felt like they were flogging a dead horse because we're going back to this, this venue every single week and playing the same El Shui every week and it was like that little fucking safe space so they called the band Flogging Molly Right. And uh it's not a particularly good name, it's not a particularly good story behind the name. Oh it works for that kind of music. Exactly, though. it's perfectly fine. Now Fog and Mali. Yeah, Fog and Mali. He does not actually like, say he sounds like Fog and Mali. Yeah. No, but we are talking about oh, like the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Fans. yeah. Now they like they, Flag they and Molly? it took a while for them to take off in, in the States. And uh, they had a song on uh Tony Hawk's. I think it was three or four, and that was the beginning of it for them then. That was fucking uh, this song is actually music
0: breaking career. Exactly, sometimes. yeah. That's it was actually County this House.
1: song, I believe. It was Drunk and Lullaboys might be on Tony House three or four, I can't remember. And because uh, yeah. I remember I listened to it going, That's really good and then some magazine gave it away free on the C D. It was just it was handled perfectly right. It was the right time because drop kicks were fucking huge, all that kind of shit. Yeah. It was everything was just it was working.
0: I think I prefer Devil's Dance Floor.
1: That was, that was a great song great Jesus, song that's a great song this is exactly. good as well though this, this is their top song so I, this is kind of what I, went, I wanted to go with yeah. just because it has it has all the the, the jiggy shit that, that you'll hear I'm going to play it a couple of seconds over here yeah Um, what we play we'll play it from the start as well, because that's the only, the only thing that makes sense um, <laughs> yeah. just, it's all so, about the start of this. exactly songs. so here, here's the start of it It's Lull- a strong chorus, isn't it, though? It's very strong chorus. He's a great songwriter. Um, A lot of his yeah. stuff is very, very good. He, uh, we've talked about it before. He lives down the road with me. He has an apartment a couple of a couple of doors down with me. He probably heard you just playing that there. Probably, yeah. Uh, knocked knocking oh. me door. It's um, <laughs> look for royalties. Yeah, he fucking stood in the dog shite one night, actually, walking boy. He stood in a bang-bang shite. Bang-bang ran oh. in and took a big shite, and Dave stood in as he was wanting out those gap. had to apologise to him. And then I felt like running after him to see if he wanted to be in the podcast. Or, or do a gig in the pub or something like that. Girl, come down. That was weird.
0: Yeah. I, I actually got was. I say all I could think of it was getting the shit off his shit. Pretty much. As By the a way, I, st- I stood in. I stood in dog shit the
1: other day. Uh, Snow crack. One hundred
0: and twenty quid runners. Put them in the bin. You did not. I did. You fucking maniac! I said this to. I said this to people before. If that ever happens to me, I hate dog shit so much, and I've such
1: a fear of it. Bin. But that's give you a, give you a lot of score to clean it. No, they've been tainted, bin. No. Get the yeah. fucking house out now, can Bin, bin, bin. No. Some people might go, oh, Jesus, you should have given them a charity. Bin, bin, bin. Sorry, yeah. go on anyway. So I, I think that, that song, that album, is kind of the best uh, modern example of the style. Uh, there's been plenty of bands that have come and gone. You've had, you've had Canadian bands doing kind of Scottish... The band called the Real Mackenzies that done a similar thing. Oh, that's the, a terrible name. That's a terrible name. They have Blood or Whiskey who were an Irish band who were pretty good at it. They'd be closer to the pogue style of things than, than anything else, you know. Mm. Um, They'd they be somewhere between maybe Flog and Molly and uh, the Pogues. The Pogues less, yeah. less, <laughs> less distortion guitar, more acoustic guitars and stuff like that. Less cheese than the... Less cheese, yeah, exactly. Into. Yeah, exactly. So... I think I might have worked out that three step there from the skids where they kind of were a punk band who wanted to have a little dabble in their kind of local traditional music to the pogues who were punks who wanted to play that music exclusively with traditional instruments all the way up to what modern kind of, Kids at the time wanted to hear, you know, people, especially Americans who wanted to embrace a cultural identity of some description, you know, because uh, unfortunately, bands like Flogging and Molly and like Drop Pete Morphy's gave millions of Americans an excuse to say, you know, my second name is Connolly or whatever the fuck, you know, what <laughs> yeah. what? And, and wear the tartan shirt, uh, a check shirt, and a fuck a flat cap and a pair of suspenders, rolled up jeans <laughs> or whatever the fuck they wear, you know what I mean, and talk yeah. about j- only listening to Drop Pete Morp- Morphy's or Flag and Molly all day. Every day. Just
0: careful, careful not to alienate the, your customers that you're trying to get back into.
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, um, like, listen, there's loads of this music that I that I do enjoy. I just couldn't uh, yeah, listen, yeah. listen to it all the time. It's it's a it's no. a bit fucking much, but you know, I'm the same with fucking all music, to be honest with you. True. Um I couldn't listen to anything all the time, but I think that that's a that's a decent run there, from the skids to the pogs to Flag and Molly. I don't know how. I mean, obviously, like I said, you've got, you'd have got you have lads like the Dubliners in there who were doing straight trad, but were doing it almost like like like, like rock stars. Yeah. You know what I mean? And do you
0: think that the skids influenced uh, the Pogues?
1: Almost certainly it would have been the eye-opening yeah. time. I know? found it hard to kind
0: of, can, uh, confirm any of those. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, unless you found any interview be able to about it. The, your big thing yeah. there is that, Shane McGowan's parents were Irish. Spider Stacey had big interest in kind of Irish music as well. They all played traditional instruments in some way, shape or form, and they wanted to do something a little bit different. So there's a chance that without the Skids, the lads and the Pogues most certainly would have done something themselves anyway. Yeah. But the Skids were almost certainly the first band to ever have a fiddle around.
0: It's crazy because my my, my one, we'll get into it whenever, um, it just worked out exactly the way yours just did. Mm. I think it's
1: just some things have a linear line up. Some of these other ones don't. Um, yeah, the, the, say this, like you probably may have for, did you
0: did you maybe possibly forget about the skids when you were nailing flogging Molly to oh one hundred percent. Oh, like yeah, because yeah. that me as well. And I was like, yeah. you know, what? that's why we perhaps have to play a little bit extra because me yeah. and you were that skill cool, though. This is a journey. This is a journey. The no, journey, a journey, guys.
1: Yeah, no, the skids were something that just popped up. um while I was reading yeah. it, I had read something before about the skids and, and traditional music but I'd never heard any of it. I, don't, I only knew the the straight up kind of punky stuff and the kind of po- yeah. the power pop stuff they do done kind of later on. And I didn't know any of this kind of shit, so I had to go down that rabbit hole. I only went down it briefly because yeah. I just wanted to introduce people. To no,
0: so, yeah, same. We wanted to but though, but that's that's kind of what I was hoping that would come out. We this is the, we're going on a hunch and we find
1: new things uh, exactly. within that. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Anyway, that was my first one. So that was a, a, a brief history or the origin of a traditional Celtic punk, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Who was your first one? Yeah, my first one is
0: Peter Gabriel's Intruder. And Nine Inch Nails is piggy. Like the idea of Peter Gabriel influencing Nine Inch Nails directly has always interested me, but not interested me enough to spend ten seconds on Google mm. until, <laughs> until now or wherever. But I, I just always, from the first time I heard Peter Gabriel's third album, went, "Holy shit, that could be the downward spiral." Yeah, like i think i've talked about this a few times on the podcast but now we can actually really go into. for so if you want to play a little bit of intruder there um yeah you might get a an idea of how I, I'll, I'll get into exactly why i think they did um yeah go on sorry i'll talk yeah no to, here, here we go apologies for playing so much of that but it, it's just it, it, all the elements i wanted to get all the elements especially that little bit at the end which resner has used where he just starts running up and down the piano mm. with the thing the kind of randomness um so that to me when i first heard it was like that sounds like the, it could be on the downward spiral it really really does really does I, I i've talked about it before like a lot of the stuff on that album as well because they use a thing called, I, I, again, I, I don't know whether I've talked about this much in the podcast before. If I have, fucking come back in five seconds. Get over it. 15 minutes. Or get over it. Listen to it. Give me 15 seconds to explain. So they created this drum sound called a gated reverb uh, drum sound, which was actually created by Hugh Padam and Steve Lillywhite when they were working on XTC's uh, Drums and Wires," um, you can hear it on Making Plans for Nigel, yeah. the first song. It gives it a real kind of punchy effect. So if you think of that reverb, gives it a bit of distance, and the gate pulls the sound back, it quietens the sound like quickly, so it like, just gives that industrial feel. Mm. So Peter Gable used that, uh, the same guy as produced his one, uh, less than a year later, um, and he decided to take the cymbals off his drum kit because uh, phil collins was actually playing on the album phil collins then went on to use that sound to much more extremes in in the air tonight which mm. is why you hear that gated drums iconic punchy distanty sort of echoey but dying off super quickly sound. phil collins comes
1: um, up on one of mine as well
0: oh does he yeah, yeah cool cool um so that's just a little bit of the sound of that uh sort of metal pipe on a fucking metal barrel sound that can sometimes come along. It happened a lot on Peter Gabriel's third album. We'll call it Melt, we'll call it pg tree. You'll hear me using a few different names for it because I'm so cool. But um, if you want to play Piggy a little bit there, yep. um, Just you know, I think everyone that listens to this podcast will probably know. But just no, it's Piggy.
1: Yeah, we'll get, give, give him a minute until Piggy here.
3: Big. Mm-hmm.
0: i may not have picked the, the greatest song. i do think it's it's in the same vein as intruder oh yeah it's, it can be sometimes hard to pick the so it's easy to pick the origin song because it's the one you hear and go oh shit it sounds like that band but it's sometimes hard to pick a song by that band because the other yeah. one the origin might have encompassed a lot that that the other one did yeah Um. so but i do think that the slower version of that is not a million miles away from intruder so I know that most industrial bands are influenced by either Trobbing Gristle or, and, or, and or Skinny Puppy in some ways. But mm-hmm. I wanted to know, shit, like, before I launch into this, Peter Gabriel in the downward spiral, I wanted to see if Peter Gabriel himself may have been influenced by Trobbing Gristle. And this was a stretch that I expected to not yield any results. But it wasn't. don't so know, you be the judge, guys. You be the judge. Yeah. This is interesting. So he's not quoted anywhere in saying anything about Trobbing Gristle. Um, who have been releasing music since 77 yeah. he was on, he was on his second album in 77 or 78 uh, intruders from Peter, Peter Gabriel 3 which is 80 but in 79 Throbbing Gristle released 20 Jazz Greats which is fucking mental it only has a few coherent what I'd consider coherent songs on yeah it, the rest is just they wouldn't consider songs so they're pieces do you know what I mean they're really mm. unnerving and it's fucking brilliant um, but actually just, yeah, do you know what? This isn't a million miles away from the two things we've just done. And this is 79. This is a year before Peter Gabriel and whatever fucking nearly 20 years before. Don't, did, no don't, do the nails, yep. don't do the maths. Yeah, so don't do the maths on that. Don't do the maths. Please don't do the maths. Give that up. <laughs> Black.
1: Right. This is Trab and Gristle.
0: Nothing too, nothing too crazy similar, rather uh, maybe sonically and a little bit of a feel, it yeah. is, So I was kind of like, now nah, you know, like I know that Nine Inch Nails, I'll check later, were probably influenced by, by Throbbing Gristle, but I wanted to have a look into that. But then I was like, fuck, no. I, I, was, think, I was actually just loving how amazing the cover of 20 jazz funk greats is, because that doesn't, that's not jazz. And the album cover looks like, honestly fucking could be the Beach Boys or something like that they're on, they're, they're on the edge of Beachy Head which is yeah. the number one suicide spot of England and there's a <laughs> song called Beachy Head off that album they're all dressed in sort of flower power gear Enid, Enid blighting gear is what they're wearing yeah uh, it it. looks, yeah, it looks <laughs> like the famous exactly it looks like the famous five I yeah. and, um, so I was reading up about that and, and the, the name came to me uh, through my like, through the research that Storm Torgson the, the most famous album cover artist of all time did this oh. and I went Hang on a second! Didn't he do Peter Gabriel's stuff as well? There you go. So he did the this album cover nine months before Peter Gabriel three. Oh, now and he did it eight months after Peter Gabriel two. So yeah. right between the two of those album covers, where Peter Gabriel was finding that. Now, you, you know how these things can happen, and it can be made up. So I'm gonna yeah. make some shit up now, like a phone call from from. Peter Gabriel to Storm Thorgerson, go, hey, um, c- can you uh, do some stuff for my second and you know my third album? Goes, yeah, mate just gives him minute I'm doing some stuff for this band called Travelling Bristol You want to hear them? It's fucking mad stuff. Yeah. Oh, let me let me check it out. Now that's just I think that can easily happen. but We yeah, don't yeah. know. It? Yeah, yeah. But I did Absolutely. find that really really interesting that that was. Um, you did from, you did find a link from, from, after I think and there was a from link Thor, oh, yeah great. from Thorgerson. Awesome. So then I said right, we'll look at. We're bringing Throbbing Gristle in definitely officially now, and I want to now link them directly to Nine bells Okay. Um For the moment, before I go to try and find any more. So I did find that Reznor said that he wasn't massively influenced by Throbbing Gristle, but more Coil, which has a member of Throbbing Gristle who died, I think he died about 10 years ago, uh. Um, called Pete Christopherson. Christopherson. Oh, I have Christopherson. trouble saying that as
1: well. Christopherson. It's Christopherson.
0: My, 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 my brain and mouth want to stop. Yeah, halfway through. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: And, and, and again, we want to like stutter and say Christopherson. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to play a coil song. We can't keep going down this road. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it gets silly now. I was going to add this. No. So we can say that he definitely, a member of Throbbing Gristle at the very least, definitely with with the band Coyle who were mm. out in like late 80s um mid to late 80s uh, with kind of more I wouldn't say coherent but more song-based stuff yeah pieces, like the then crap was he said that also Gary Newman and Pink Floyd David Bowie are all, all in there to be mentioned, yeah, like, yeah. For, for a thing but I still wasn't really done with my link to Peter Gabriel and Trent Reznor so yeah I did find that um, he did, Trent Reznor did put Peter Gabriel on the Natural Born Killer soundtrack that that Reznor oversaw when he was oh. curating this sort of soundtrack. So there's yeah. a, one, and the second one, he did an official remix of a Peter Gabriel song called "Growing Up," uh, or else it's from the "Growing Up" album. I think it would. Mm. Really. So, and then, and finally, this is just another ten, This is a tentative yeah. link that I think that uh, there's another song released in 2003 off Hesitation Marks, the album by Nine Inch Nails, a song called All Time Low, that when you hear it, there's just this feel of Peter Gabriel awful, like mm. more so than any other song apart from the early Peter Gabriel. This has more of the funky steam or maybe even Sledgehammer feel to it. So yeah. gi- give, that a, give that a bash and see, maybe, just up. to hopefully cement my tentative link there. <laughs> right, here we go.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely I'm a, has I'm a, more I'm
0: a big, feel. It's it's. I'm a massive fan of Peter Gabriel and Nine Inch Nails. So mm. I'm hearing maybe things from bits and bobs put together in my head over a mm. kind of matrix of of shit. The other people are like that doesn't sound like anything like Sledgehammer. I'm like, no, it doesn't. But it sounds a bit like Steam. In, yeah. <laughs> in parts. Yeah. You know what? It's just it's hard. It could be it could be just some of this stuff is hunch, and some of it is just straight up in my fucking head. Yeah, but yeah. We we did some research on that one. And um, that's that's the link. I think there is there is a link because I think I definitely right
1: there definitely. Like, but between yeah. the 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 general nine inch nails style, even if you don't pick a song, that general nine inch nails style, style and you go back to that song Intruder, like that's yeah. very very nine inch nailsy.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it is. So so that's just, that was that was the, the first thing I up. I think we mentioned this a little bit earlier. In our, we mentioned, we touched on this in the last podcast when we were yeah. talking about stuff, that I think we came up with the idea for that. But this, but yeah, so. that is my, um, that is my first one. So what is your next one?
1: Next one for me is, I kind of want to give uh, a quick history of gangster rap using, okay. the example, using the example of the most famous gangster rap song of all time. What I consider to be the most famous gangster rap song of all time, and that's Straight out of Compton by NWA. Yeah, it's got to be. Uh, it, the, the, there are definitely other ones, but I think that's... If you looked gangster app up in the dictionary, you might come across fucking those words straight out of Compton. Um, so maybe fuck the police, but I think straight out of Compton's more street-level stuff. No, I was just thinking about it right
0: there. Yeah. Fuck the police is directly at that. Straight out of Compton is them talking about being bad cunts.
1: Exactly. So a lot of people... We're gonna We're going to do three songs... As the last one as well, um, my last one. So we're going to use Straight Outta Compton as the archetype of gangster rap, okay. And what we're going to do is going to track that all the way back to what people, okay, what the the common consensus is that the first ever gangster rap song was Six in the Morning by Ice T, but it wasn't. What Ice T and other rappers. In the same genre, considered to be the first gangster rap song ever, was a song called "PSK" by Schoolly D. Now we covered Schoolly D before. Uh, We covered Schoolly D a couple of weeks ago, and for his song "Signifying Rapper," which was on the Bad Lieutenant soundtrack, which had a sample had a sample of "Cashmere" by Led Zeppelin,
0: which wasn't exactly,
1: which exactly, which wasn't cleared, and they had to um, they had to recall every copy of the Bad Lieutenant VHS. And uh recopy them all without that song in it because they lost the um they lost the the the, the, the court case. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go kinda of backwards here as I'm gonna play straight out of Compton first for a couple of seconds, and then we're gonna go backwards from that point onwards. So Kay. let me get uh, straight out of Compton lined up here, because I I, come, I I changed my mind at the last second. So I did. I was going to go the other way, but we're not going to do that now. We're going to be sound. We're going to do straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton, crazy
4: motherfucker named Ice Cube.
1: The the next
0: way. bit is literally my favorite. I know you have
1: to. <laughs> no, it's, that's, not, that's not the easy verse. The easy verse is last, isn't it? Uh, yes, that's yeah. my mother. My sister. I tell you, make my sister. think I love her. Yeah, it's <laughs> Every he Every easy ever done. Even the show is fucking amazing. <laughs> um, even when I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's terrible, but it's, it's, it's so awesome. good. He's so fucking good. God, God, love him. Um, okay, so <sighs> straight out of Compton is off the Force NWA album, which broke a load of fucking records. Didn't sell as well as the second one, but the second one, which we covered again a couple of weeks ago, as well. Um with some of the kind of lesser known tracks. There's some stuff on the second album that's very, very good. So yeah. if we're considering this to be the pinnacle of things, first things we have to look at is the way it's produced, how it's made. So we go back to what the general public kind of seems to consider to be the first ever Gangster rap song, which is 6 in the morning by Ice-T. So the content of that song, what makes that different from anything else is the fact that Ice-T is directly talking about kind of gang-affiliated things that he does. He's talking about the police coming after him. He's talking about hiding jewels, hiding cash, you know, the police raids at 6 o'clock in the morning. That's what it's about. So before... Before that, most hip-hop would have been about rocking the party and how good is my DJ and, you know, house party kind of stuff is what it would have been. There was nobody talking about crime. There was nobody talking about anything untowards. It was all about, you know, going out and finding women. And, you know, they weren't even talking about smoking weed. It was literally, about it's good time music. It was essentially disco or funk is what it was, stripped back to its kind of barest... Bones. Yeah, it's that's so where, much
0: fun. I mean, exactly. Yeah, whatever you think about the lyrical
1: content, fuck, it's so good, and it's not exactly. important. So it's it's super <laughs> important. So six in the morning was incredibly important because Ice uh, T kind of had a record deal at this stage. His first album was going to sell particularly well, so it meant that everybody who had an interest in hip hop was going to be ex- going to be experiencing this new form of hip hop that he had. Not not lifted, but being influenced. By someone right. that we're gonna to get to in a minute. So I'm gonna play six in the morning and pay uh, pay particular attention to the to the drums that you just heard in Stray Outta Compton and the drums that you're gonna hear in uh, in this one here in six in the
5: morning. Get Gold on my neck, my pistol's close in hand I'm a self-made monster of the city streets Remotely controlled by hard hip-hop beats But just living in the city is a serious task Didn't know what the cops wanted, didn't have time to ask Word. 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 See my homeboys cooling way, way out Told them about my morning cold, bugs them out Shot a little dice To my knees got sore Kicked around some stories About the night before Posse to the corner Where the fly girls chill Threw action at some freaks the one bitch got ill She started acting silly simply would not quit Call us all punk pussy Said we are one shit As we walked over to a hoe Continued to speak So we beat
1: the bitch down In the goddamn street
5: But just living in the city Is a serious
1: thing So that's six in the morning By Ice-T, right?
0: Especially you can hear Easy That his style is Na, yeah. Na, 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 na. yeah it's actually even uh, <laughs> one little fight my mom got scared, scared. <laughs> that's like everyone takes that everyone like it's like adding like the pitch to a rap which exactly now actually they kind of they kind of completely dropped
1: it, almost entirely now what we're going to do is we're going to go back to schooly d now psk is the name of the song And six in the morning, and not a million miles away from each other, like they're almost clones of each other. I thought, yeah, I thought it was six in the morning. That was everyone everyone thought. I I thought it uh, it, 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 it,
0: was the zenith or the the prime, the primer, or whatever. Yeah,
1: like the the proto gangster rap song. Like it was just, it was important because it was, uh, it was out there. It was more accessible to everybody else. Now Skilli Day was like a Philadelphia rapper. Um, that like all the rappers liked, but he never really, he always kind of stayed a little bit underground, you know? So PSK, which stands for Parkside Killers, is uh, what is considered to be the first ever gangster rap song. Now, what's interesting about it is that lyrically, it's very vague, like, it's very vague. Like, uh, PSK, were making that green, people always say, what the hell does that mean? P for the people who can't understand, till one homeboy became a man. S for the way we scream and shout one by one I'm knocking the mill K for the way K for the way my DJ is cutting other MCs man they can't say nothing rocking to the brink of dawn I think Code Money the time is on like it's like there's nothing there's nothing there that me and you would read and go what the fuck is this like it's nothing mm. nothing mad like the last day uh, are they are
0: they testing out the yeah 100%
1: yeah. probing everything there another oh. lyric driving in my car down the avenue towing on the J slipping on some brew Turn around see the fly young lady pull up to the curb and park my Mercedes saying fly lady now you're looking real nice sweeter than honey sugar and spice told her my name Scooly Day like okay.
0: today was a good day Y- yeah exactly which in Pop- itself is not a gangster rap song except he does mention AK but like yeah that that is like setting the scene for a lot of stuff that came after
1: pretty much I mean there's the word fuck is in there it was talking about uh, riding a woman uh, like what do you mean full full sex like yeah like full like, like penetrant sex where a bit your you your goes mean- in yeah, exactly. Oh, kid, that's mental. <laughs> exactly. Like there's one lion that says I should shoot you dead. Um, but like, again, this is. It's and, all, and the rest of
0: them were just like, "I did shoot you dead." We got, he got away with saying I might. Now, <laughs> exactly. we, can
1: say, now exactly. we can say he did. <laughs> like now the lads can literally like it's no holes barred essentially. So uh, think of six in the morning. What you just heard, and think of uh, now listen to this. PSK by Scully Day. Right. let get forward, going even
4: be here. Oh. shout, by one by I'm knocking it out. Came for the way my DJ cut it. Other in when the you ain't say
5: nothing. Rocking on to the brink of stone. I think for one, a time is song.
1: But not far off being exactly oh, yeah. right. The Very same great. cadence. Even Ice T said himself, he took that cadence from Schooly D. Uh, Schooly D was the influence for him. Like he now had kind of a platform because he had a decent record deal. His yeah. album was going to be sold all over the world. He was like, fucking everybody's hunting about the Schoolly D track. I um, well, what i do like me i kind of always to it and call it six in the morning I'll just turn up to 11. i'll take his kind of minor vagueness and i will got away with it. a
0: certain amount yeah oh. <laughs> exactly <laughs> now did the, 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 the snare on that only had
1: reverb there was no mm. dry signal it was all wet did you hear that i was like exactly now what's important there is that the thing that glues all of these tracks together is the single drum machine the ts909 right the 909 oh, used all the these, right? <laughs> I was wondering why you cut me off real quick. <laughs> <My> drum machine. <laughs> Shut up, the country. I was wrecking stuff on me. <laughs> so the 909 was what Scooly D used. Scooly D produced the song himself. So it was just him. He rapped on it. He wrote the music, done everything, recorded it, the whole chipmine. Um hmm. Six in the Morning was written on a 909 as well. And Dr. Dre loved the 909. It was used on a lot of NWA stuff as well. Um, mm. they, the 808 is the original classic one that's still used to this day. The 909 is almost a bastard son. Uh, the reason they yeah. liked the 909 is you could bounce more tracks down and they had lots of effects and stuff like that built in. That's where you hear, like I said, the, just the reverb and effects on the snare. Yeah. But um, they liked it because it had like a, more of a crunchy bass sound. When you go back to like the more early 80s hip-hop, you'll hear the boom, boom boom bass drum yeah that's the 808 and you hear that i love that you think that's the 909 so what a lot of them do was they used 808s and 909s also the 909 had midi capabilities it was early days of midi so they loved the fact that they could like write all their songs onto like fucking five and a quarter inch floppy disks or whatever it was and then yeah. come back to them a month later and mess around with them again oh you know? yeah yeah so the 909 was one of the first machines to have this now cost I looked up how much it cost. It cost it like sixteen hundred dollars back in the eighties. Jesus! So there wasn't that many of them doing the rounds, like at all. It's almost as if they would have to turn to crime to buy one. Strangely enough,
0: <laughs> strangely enough. But I mean, so yeah, you, no, I'm just saying in a certain certain neighborhoods, you'd thinking, "Where do you get that drum machine? Is worth mm. sixteen hundred quid?" I know, growing up in my place, if someone had a six hundred quid drum, key, you'd be thinking, "Eela, straight up
1: So that <laughs> beat that was used there in uh, that song, PSK. It's a really famous beat. Um, it was, loads of bands have taken that beat and messed with it and come up with songs of their own. Uh, even uh, Susie and the have a song called Kiss Them For Me that uses that beat. They mm-hmm. sampled that entire beat and used it in one of their songs. That's fucking mental. Um, that, could, that,
0: that could work on so many different... Oh yeah, it's
1: just this bog standard pop, industrial, yeah. f- obviously more hip-hop. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Phil Collins loved the 909 as well. We were talking about Phil Collins earlier on. He Ooh. was a big when, when he heard what um hip hop artists were doing with the 909 he got one for himself i think most of the drums on susudio are done on a 909 oh wow um as well you so thought the, he would the, might have been a purist being a, like a, no she loved all the electronic drum kits and all that shit as well yeah. um he was one of the first he had he had those like fucking hexagonal fucking pads Do you remember those oh the Simmons the kits don't 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 they're fucking great. my
0: mate was telling me they fucking break like no business at all they're I think like, I think if ever I was to play live with the stuff I'll be down. I'm going to get fake ones of them, just pad them on the outside. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because I do love that hexagon. I think Simmons kids, I think they're called,
1: yeah. That deadly look. Uh, but that 909 was like, that was their unit for hip-hop production for so long. You had like KRS-One, Public Enemy, uh, Jazzy Jeff and The Fresh Prince. Like, like everyone fucking used the damn thing. But Dr. Dre was mad for it. Was absolutely mad for it. And uh, that's where you would have got like I said, going from P, from from that PSK song, which is uh, him Skully D trying to rap about things he sees around them, as opposed to the normal kind of party bullshit that you would have heard. Yeah, all the way up to Six in the Morning, which would have came very soon after. It's a year or two after PSK came out. That Six in the Morning was released, and that's what yeah. opened everybody. Everybody saw was like that that fourth album, which was uh, Ryan Pays, I think, is the name of the album. And then a couple of years later, it have got Straight of Compton, which sounds like Dre is that good that. Straight to Compton Oh, sorry, like, Straight, straight Outta is only a couple of years after 6 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe four or five years, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you can hear, by the time the guys in NWA are recording, you can hear how good the equipment has become. Like, the the production yeah. difference between even 6 in the morning and Straight to Compton. Like, Straight to Compton sounds like it could be released now. And yeah, it, and, it and, would... and
0: 6 in the morning in PSK, the, the, they don't... Whatever Stop way they're that, recording, those, oh, that time. those drums aren't leveled or mixed or anything. No. They're Absolutely. so harsh. No, I think that's a great part of the sound. Yeah, well, that's,
1: I mean, obviously yeah. you have to, if you go back to the 80s when one of the big things would have been like breakdancing and stuff like that as well. So um, yeah. like uh, rapping in the kind of early, late 70s the mid 80s it would have been the changeover from rappers. Rappers weren't the, the, the focal point of hip hop at all. It was all about the DJs and the breakbeats and the dancing. Rappers were just hype men to get people to dance. That's all they had done. They get up and they perform like rhymes yeah. and, p- and poems and shit like that. And it was only, <coughs> it was only with like people like Ice T and stuff like that where the rappers start getting a little bit more. They, they went to the forefront where people wanted to hear the message of the rhymes as opposed to just dancing to the beats. Yeah. So yeah, around the kind of Ice T era and even the Schooly D era it would have been kind of the classic changeover period from. Someone like Scooby D who's gonna produce his own stuff and he wants people to be able to dance to it, but he's also gonna rhyme and use his own lyrics over it. so he gets to have a message as well as making people dance. Uh, mm. Ice T decides I'm not gonna do that for this song. I want this to be like a pure dirty crime song. And like at the time, six in the morning, when that came out, like that must have been like one of the most controversial fucking songs of Absolutely, all time. Yeah. Like, now you're yeah, laughing at it, like your, your child would say something worse. But like, like at the time, fucking hell, and then you jump straight up the NWA with songs like Straight of Compton and Fuck The Police. Like Gangster rap is not necessarily, it's not a strict genre. You know what I mean? It's, it's anything that has any sort of criminal connection is, is where it fits. But like, it's more of a, maybe a realistic tint to uh, to, the, to these guys' lifestyles, then you know, going to the party and rocking the party, and Montel Jordan this is how we do it. You know, like that's all fun, but it's not realistic by any stretch in the imagination. So that's how we got from uh, straight out of Compton, and I got went there through Scully D, PSK, Parkside Killer. Yeah, so six oh, you morning. can hear,
0: you can definitely hear, yeah, even just like <laughs> the, the, the drumbeat link. Like obviously, like you said, it's so much better in straight out of Compton yeah. because you've got an,
1: an uber producer there. Big time, big time. It's good as in charge, like, you know, telling yeah. them what to do. Anyway, that was oh, my uh, second last one, because I believe we're doing you know, three each. So who was your next one? He
0: sets each, yeah. Yep. My next one is something that you may not agree with. Some people, I've played, I've played this song. This is another one where the one song doesn't match up to one other song from the band that I okay. think influenced. But some people might get it. Some people might think, that's just in your head, man that doesn't sound like them at all, whatever. So I decided, I've I've said this before, no one ever looking into it. This time I looked into it. So the song, the origin song is, when I heard this song, I instantly thought, fuck, that really reminds me of a band that came fairly soon after. And Mm -hmm. the song is, uh, Blow a High Doe by Tragically Hip. So before I get into it, we'll give that a little bit of a spin before I get into it. I absolutely love this song. I heard it about 15 years ago. And when I first heard it, I went, you know what? that really reminds me for some reason of this band and some people are like oh yeah a lot of people are like mental weirdo <laughs> no so give it a blast anyway yep. there they
2: shot a movie once in my hometown everybody was in it around Out at the speedway Some kind of in this thing Well I ain't no movie star But I can get behind anything Yeah I can get behind anything All out Yeah When
0: hydro, when I'm about to drop the bomb now. Okay. Some people will just go absolutely not. But to me, there's a bang of pearl jam off that, like a strong bang of pearl jam. After. There
1: is. Yeah, we can hear it. You hear a bit of it, or would you say it's, yeah? No, it's, yeah. I don't... See, I was never the biggest Pearl Jam fan, and I don't hate them by any means, but that song there done all the things for me that Pearl Jam done as the way I was never married to them. It's got that reverb <laughs> reverby reverb fucking fucking... Because one of the guitars is bored and doesn't want to play with the other one's playing. And then your right. man... Uh, it's your man's grand singer as well like it's listen it, it definitely has a pearl jam tint to it you might have to ask yeah. a pearl jam expert but they might look into him too much that they'll disagree with you i'm not yes, a big pearl jam that, fan. That element as well yeah i'm yeah, not a right. big pearl jam fan and i can definitely hear uh, some uh i have absolutely lost the ability to talk today it's fucking left me <laughs> no i'm left telling me. You right now
0: this is happening to us the more and more we're in lockdown the less we're speaking it's like writing it's like our handwriting it goes to shite Talking goes
1: are I can't even write anymore. It took me, it took me a week to write th- three pages of notes for this podcast because every... <laughs> no, not because of my own fucking absolute gobshiteness. It's every single time I'd, I'd start writing. I, on, I only do me writing when I have the boards out and the parrot is obsessed with pens. So that parrot comes over and grabs the pen and I have to fight the parrot for the pen. And even if I give him that pen and take up another one, he wants my pen. So I, ha- I, ha- <laughs> I have to learn. I have a photo of it. I have to learn. I had to learn how to write with a parrot on a pen. I swear, I have a photo of it. I actually have a photo of it. That's amazing. Yeah, the, the parrot balancing on the pen, and he's lashing out of it. Over. And I have to make sure that the safety cap is on, because if I take the safety cap off, and I've just got, you know, look like on the normal pen, you got that little plastic stud that stops the tube from falling out. Yeah. He, he loves them, and he peels them off and tries to chew on them. So I have to leave the cap on the end of it to stop him getting it. But I had to learn, literally, and it's like, it's like the way a caveman would write, like a fist. The balance, yeah. the, the balance, like like a fucking child learning how to write. Oh my! name so is- That reminds
0: me of someone said before. Limp Bizkit sounds like. People who write <laughs> right with
1: their fists, <laughs> write with a
0: pe- closed fist on <laughs> yeah. a pencil. Yeah, on a pencil. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. And it does. It
1: absolutely. I know does. I said that
0: all wrong because again, I can't talk properly. Yeah, but yeah left. Limbisk limb is for people that write with a pencil and a closed yeah. fist.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah. So I had to learn how to write, and that's that's actually affecting me thinking because the part that doesn't want me to <laughs> do anything except just sit there and like rub them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I Why sit are there. are you and moving person, this pen? Because exactly. I have to. And then I give it to him, say, fuck it, come on, have it. And you just drop it on the floor and I have to pick it up and give it to him again.
0: Yeah, it's not as funny unless it's, Daddy's holding it.
1: Exactly, just being a prick. So anyway, the Tragically Hip sounds like Pearl Jam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, let's play a song that I think is like maybe a sped up faster version of okay. that. Um, okay. So I think that this song, this next song is, yeah, it's like a faster version. Give it a blast anyway. I was, I was looking at the screen, I can see what you're doing. So I thought, like, fuck, Is I'll this the right fun. song? Get, yeah, no, I way no, I was thinking I'll give him a bit of time to get to the right thing, and then I remember you're kicking it off in the first uh, bar. Yeah. So go on ahead right. uh, there. What the fuck is this world? I,
2: I thought that was you talking
4: for
1: end. a minute. Leave
4: a mess, Could have learned your voice one last time. Daily mind field is good. Be my time by you. what not you hit me? what not you hit me?
1: Because we ended the two songs at the start of the kind of solo a bit, yeah, yeah, you're definitely yeah. On, you're onto something there. Boat lads, sing. I think I might be onto something. No, no, yeah. I know it must be really
0: irritating that we keep stopping the songs, but we'll be releasing this playlist the that the you playlist can enjoy in full, yeah. in full. And also, it, we'd lose a run of ourselves and we wouldn't get back to the points if we were to play the full song. Um, that, I might be absolutely mental here, and that's not a, that may not be an absolutely great example of how they sound like tragically hip, but that is one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs and the intensity behind it. Is a slightly faster version of what I feel from Blow a Do. Blow a Do, I had to figure out, I had to try trying to, trying to figure out for years what that meant. I don't know whether it was a high school reference or something like that. So I actually looked it up with Expensive cocaine. Minute. No, everyone thinks it is. All everyone right. thinks it's something to do with drugs or yeah. sex or something like that. It's not, it's brilliant. The whole song is about. Well, I don't really I'm not, No, you know, I'm not going to say what the whole song is about. Your man. Gord Downey is an absolutely brilliant lyricist. But, but I'm just going to get into what blow a hoi means. Mm. And it's an old saying, possibly Canadian, because tragically it's am Canadian. Um, don't blow a hoi or you can't blow a hoi means that you can't take out bread that's rising too fast and blow on it. It won't work. You've already, put it, you've already started it. It's going to happen.
1: Wait. That's, that's mad weird. It's, it's, it's,
0: don't blow a hoi do. not try and... Yeah, it's too late. It. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't try and <laughs> do that stuff. But so anyway, I was aware of a lot of bands dropping tragically hip.
2: Uh,
0: I've heard the name before. I heard them. Yeah, I Blow Away I heard it about fifteen years ago, like I said, um, and I absolutely fell in love with the song. I actually found it through uh, Tony list. Hawk. No, Tony <laughs> Hawk. Yeah, Can you that? that. Do you know what? Straight up, if that had been in Tony Hawk's one, yeah. tragically hip would have been
1: probably. yeah. Yeah, bigger. well here's oh. the
0: thing, right? Here's the thing. They are big. They're yep. really fucking big in Canada. Oh. So it's 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 actually came up in a lot of interviews. One of the things someone asked the, the lead singer, um Gordon, he's like, You're 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 huge in Canada, but they're 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 top four all time sales in Canada. Jesus. Artists. And in wow. fact Brian Adams and fucking Celine Dion here. Yeah, yeah. And Wow. Another one
1: another one. They are Canada's Canada's ultra no, yeah. Neil
0: Young, it has to be the them Four. And they, they have to be fourth, then. I don't know. But anyway, I should have checked that out for the purpose of the podcast. Someone else can do it and tell us. Yeah, he was like, I don't really care that we're not that big outside of the place. Everyone keeps asking us, I don't care. Just don't mm. care. But so they are massive and Canada. they are an alt rock kind of band. Um he is, like I said, a really great songwriter. He avoids mm. all the cliche's. He reminds me sometimes of Bob Mould of Husker Do in that sense. Now mm. it is a fact that Pearl Jam were influenced by Neil Young and the Ramones and the Who—that's they yeah. say. There's the name they say all the time. Neil Young himself, um, a Canadian as well, would have 100% influenced tragically hip. So um, we might yeah. be another, another kind of three-way one as well. So "Rockin' in the Free World" was definitely an origin song for Pearl Jam we know that for a fact so maybe yeah. I should have just picked that one but, but I, I, can't, I couldn't this is just what I'm remembering I'm like fuck Rockin' the Free World yeah, is yeah. so important it's it, Pearl Jam covered it themselves Gore Downey from Tragically Hip sang Rockin' the Free World with Neil Young at Live Aid mm. um, the first time Neil Young ever played it he played it in Seattle um, so give Rocking the Free World there for the four people that possibly in the world that may not know what Rocking the Free Don't World is not. Does not sound gay Even it's a phenomenal song.
1: Forget how good that song is, and then it comes on and like, go. Oh, yeah, fucking. My nipples get hard and, Oh, god, so fucking
0: good. And it's recorded so is, weird. Yeah, well, I think that that might possibly be part of a live album, or certainly, oh, they're all playing it together. I could be wrong. Yeah, about I that. think it's a don't, studio live thing.
1: It, even even the, uh, the 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 cover, like Neil has the acoustic guitar. It's not a lick of acoustic guitar in that fucking song. Yeah, it's all balls to the wall. Like so good, yes. so good. So. Like,
0: that's that's an un, absolute origin song for uh, grunge in general. Yeah. And we've exactly. talked about grunge before being not really a... Grunge is not really a, a real genre. No. And we've talked about this before. Yeah. Because if you pick the main players, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, all sound different to me. Very much. So you might get a bit of classic rock crossover between Soundgarden and you get members crossover between yeah. Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. But then you've got Alison Chains who were more metal,
1: very, and yeah, very different.
0: Nirvana who were more punk,
1: yeah.
0: So grunge is a really fucking hard one to put down. It's it was just, a name thrown. It was a set jumpers, lads
1: yeah, it's that just, wore jumpers. <laughs> yeah. it's literally all it was, lads who yeah. wore fucking jumpers. And turn Heat are back on now. Get up there, you bastards. Get a blast. Oh really? Yeah, let me window open and it's cold. And yeah, uh, you get sweating for a while. When you're sitting on top of a heater like this, you can't. You can never get the balance right.
0: Really. Yeah.
1: So I know that
0: I know that Tragically Hip are influenced by Neil Young. I know that Pearl Jam are influenced by Neil Young.
1: The Tragically Hip even sounds like a Neil Young song
0: title. It does actually, yeah. Yeah, it's really fucking good now. I Honestly, yeah, listen to some of their stuff. That, I can't. It's it's disrespectful to say they're underrated because they're highly rated in Canada. Yeah, it was just in in our circles. Like yeah.
1: yeah, I'd heard the name a thousand times, and that song you just played for me is the first time I ever listened to the tragedy, yeah. and I've been hearing that name for fucking 25-20 well, years. Like you said,
0: you're probably burnt out with that style of music, <laughs> but in '89, when they released that, a year, uh, so two two years before Pearl Jam released Porch, which is what we played. Um, I think you wouldn't have been sick of it then because it's classic rock. With oh yeah. Either, either a political or a much more gloomier, I wouldn't say emotional, but like there's like a grunge face. What what people yeah. considered the original fucking emos or whatever like that. Yeah. Um, I know that Pearl Jam dedicated a song to Gord Downey from Tragically Hip when mm. it was announced in 2016 that he had developed a type of brain cancer, globial, globial blastoma. And, um, and after his death a year later in 2017, so it might be in 15, it was announced, in 17 um, photos came out of Jeff Ament, who is the drummer from, um, sorry, guitar, bass, bass player from, from um, yeah, bass player from fucking Brazil. Um, he, he had t-shirts saying Gord fucking Downey <laughs> and it had come, come to light that he had saw a fan in the audience, yeah. I think possibly in Barcelona. Um, wearing it, and he went. Let, let's swap shorts. And that kid was like, fuck it, that's what you wore, that <laughs> you know." For the moment, yeah. someone points out you're wearing so, a yeah. so, um, deadly, deadly. And Jeff Ament is from Montana, which he is himself has admitted is fucking might as well be Canada. Yeah, pretty much. You know what I mean? So I reckon again, it has come out to light that the Pearl Jam are, are massive fans. They they also they they. they yeah, there's a lot of stuff crossover. You'll see them mentioning. It's really hard. The internet is now flooded because of Gord Downey's death. The Pearl Jam's um, tribute to him is all you can find. But before yeah. that, very difficult to find anything before his diagnosis or before his um, his death. So wading through some of what I found, that kind of stuff that they were saying that they had met up with tragically hit loads over the course of the years. Mm. Naturally, you would on ven- uh, on. Tours and on, on festivals and stuff like that, but it was only really when he died that they were come out going, Jesus Christ, we loved that band. So, yes, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: they did love Tragically. What are their influences? See, timelines are very close. We're talking a couple of years in the difference. Tragically yeah, yeah, was out yeah, in yeah. 80, 87, released their first album in 87, and this was 89. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pearl Jam also had that lighter side, the acoustic stuff that, yeah, yeah, yeah. they loved you that didn't, as well Yeah, you didn't hear much of, let's say, Nirvana doing you Nirvana obviously had a famous acoustic album, but it still was. Uh, an amazingly dif- must have been really a difficult interpretation of end yeah. on MTV, and it's fucking unreal. All the best MTV unplugs are grunge. i fucking
1: Very much so. Really, they are though. And
0: they're, and uh, Alanis Morissette mm. could be classed as grunge as well. Could possibly fit that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just have a quick listen to Wheat Kings, and you might hear some stuff like Daughter and a lot of Pearl Jam songs that are just those sort of. Calmer, calmer aspects of of perhaps, I mean, You might hear it in weekings Kings, which is a, right. a, a big song for for tragedy, Keep. a great song as well.
1: Right, here we go.
2: of the prairie we kings of all treasures buried Now all you hear are the rusted breezes Pushing around the weather vane Jesus Disciphalitis Sees the killer's face. Maybe it's someone standing in a killer's place. Twenty years for nothing. Well, that's nothing new. Besides, no one's interested in something you didn't do. We. See the
1: a dreamy dreams where the high
2: school's
1: getting... Don't call me Jeremy. I've spoken, <laughs> daughter. Yeah, I very could much. Be
0: Look, I could be wrong, but that's just honestly how I feel about it. Listen to them. Now we all know that that will sound a little bit like Neil Young. That was inspired by Neil Young. Yep. it influence Pearl Jam? I can only give you what I found. I think on so. It. I based think on so. The, yeah, based on what I think. See, here's a little fun fact about Pearl Jam's ten. Mm-hmm. That has outsold Nevermind in America. Really? But definitely, definitely not the world. No. Like no, Nirvana has Nirvana has tripled that. Yeah, they have in to. America. In America, the both of them are around the ten million mark, and a little bit ahead is Pearl Jam. Soft cunts. That's <laughs> they, got, they, got, they, they, they got colleges for years yeah, Whereas exactly. Pearl Jam only had the colleges for a couple of years maybe, look, maybe, I don't know that's just how I feel about it that's tragically no, I, 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 I think
1: you got it there just if, you're, if you're a
0: Pearl Jam fan, give them, give them a, a go <laughs> I really, really like their songwriting and I really like Gardeau's uh, lyrics
1: mm. who's your next one? my last one what oh, is your last one. God, it, yeah. it seems like I moved through this quickly, but we're definitely not again. God, we're, we're definitely, definitely not. No. Um, no, this is my last one. This is the strongest one I have by far. It's irrefutable. Anybody who doesn't agree with me on this is just wrong. Um, right. They're just wrong. It's just that simple. So uh, I'm going to start, not at the start, I'm going to start at what we're talking about. We're talking about Ghosts. And I picked about, uh, now not, we're not talking about genres here. We're not talking about this one particular song. This particular song is uh, an example of what Ghosts kind of sound like now. It's off their last album. And They had an okay. EP after this. So I picked uh, Dance Macabre. And we're going to do, gonna, uh, just get the party started here, like Schooly D would say. And we're just going to play, uh, we're going to play a minute or two with Dance Macabre, just for people who, uh, maybe you know the name Ghost. Uh, Maybe you like ghosts. Maybe you like some ghosts like me and you hate some ghosts like me. Yeah. A lot of people
0: will will be like, oh, that sounds like this. Ghost sounds like this. But I think the the songs you've nailed definitely get there. They've nailed it. I I think I fucking... The songs you've nailed get... You see, I already committed to (laughs) the positive in that sentence. Exactly. like, Like The songs you've nailed, they really nail I meant pick. Oh! the songs you picked really nailed it the songs <laughs> you nailed really picked it
1: yeah exactly seriously this is nail, it. It. and we've said is it. another one after this are you even drinking because uh-huh. I'm drinking now
0: I absolutely am drinking yeah, I, got a, I got a bottle of gin off my friend Emmett oh, uh, cool. gin, and I have to say like he was like don't drink that with any of the fancy uh, tonics because it already is a really yeah, strong f- f- full of of gin. botanical shot." Yeah. yeah it sounds like a fucking nail it sounds like a <laughs> pushing it online here I'm not so you haven't even given
1: comment. the name of it Grant, later on when they give us a yeah, few bob um, <laughs> <laughs> right uh, so oh, this oh, is Lance oh. Macabre with Ghost I just want everybody to know this off the album prequel which I generally don't like but I'm alright with it now I've, I've forgiven them to a degree uh, here we go <laughs>
0: It's the, it's the start of I, I've sort of become more of a p- appreciative of it uh, since having to learn how to play it yeah and it is it's it's like a lot of ghost songs harder to play than you would think uh, oh yeah absolutely I definitely you, you know you, you know that a lot of people will know that but it is unfortunately <laughs> also the beginning of the era of ghost I'm not massively a big fan of it. No. The, the, the big stadium rock songs
1: not for me whatsoever so okay what do I want to do I want to do... I wanted to try and take the, does, okay. How do we even explain this? So, I got into Ghost. Oh, Jesus, where it was probably realistically, I'd say it was the third album. I'd say it was Meliora that when that it force was, came I, I, out, I can
0: tell you, I can tell you what you used to call them if you want, but I won't.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, because it's a Scooby-Doo, baddie music. Like, an absolute, I get it, like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, to be honest with you, I think the fans, because you work in a pub, the fans got to you before the music. Oh, stop.
1: Now, what I, I had heard, it, yeah. I had heard like Secular Hayes, which is very different from anything else on the second album. And I was like, I yes. don't know about that at all. So I, I had definitely heard them before I decided I was going to jump in. Because I had a lot of me mates whose opinions that I value were saying you have to try this out, like, you have to, this is absolutely incredible, and it was yeah. after I'd, I'd heard like Secular Haze and stuff like that, and I went, oh, I don't know, Look, this is kind of fucking weird, and uh, I'll go off and I'll, I'll have a listen, and then, uh, because I, I hadn't, I, I listened to Meliora, and I was like, that's okay, that's really good, like there's some fucking great stuff there, and then we went back and I listened to the fourth two albums, the first album's okay, there's a couple of great songs on it, the second one I still really like, when I heard Year Zero for the first time, I lost my marbles,
0: Zero I, is, is just an, oh, it's just amazing. Right? Yeah.
1: I lost my fucking marbles altogether. I was like, here we go now. Now I get it. That was the key for me to yeah. understand this band. So I could then I could appreciate all of it. So I spent the next couple of fucking years pissing in me cacks waiting for the new album, and then I got hit with this fucking prequel fucking thing, right? And it just wasn't what I wanted. I heard Rats, because they, they, I heard the leak of Rats a month before the album came out, and I was like, oh my God, that's yeah. amazing. And I think everybody knew then that Rats was just left over from Meliora. It just sounded like it. Yeah,
0: it's definitely the strongest song off the yeah. album. It's one of the strongest rock songs. Yeah, it's... Rock, it's, rock or metal songs released in the last 10 years.
1: It's fantastically. It's, it's beautiful. But, it's,
0: but it would have only been... If I'm being really honest, it would have been maybe in the top six of Meliora.
1: Yes, a so is so strong. There's yeah. very, very little. There's no, no chaff on it. So what yeah. I wanted to do was I wanted to take the ghost machine apart because after, after you know as well as me when you when you play music and you listen to this much music and you can produce music and you understand how digital audio workstations work and you you understand just the mechanics of music to any sort of degree, you can yeah. start. You can start. Uh, you can start kind of picking formulas. Um. You start seeing repetition and patterns in the way people write songs. And that's perfectly fine. Well I know I know
0: genuinely know a lot about how these fuckers write songs. Exactly. Right? A deep, a deep sea. <laughs> <teasing laughs>
1: exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I like I start hearing little just weird little things that they would do to make things sound like they weren't formulaic, you know. So I wanted to start taking them apart. So I knew there was a couple of groups that oh, oh, the way I used to describe ghost to people when they wanted to know what they sounded like i would say it's a metal band but they're not really metal and they're a pop band but they're kind of metal they're like a satanic abba is the way i would always describe the people because it's super melodic it's super fun and it never gets so dark that they can never turn around right yeah. so when you listen to like prequel there's like one reference to the word satan or something like that on that entire album so they're obviously backing away from the whole satanic aspect of it because they want to sell tickets in america that's kind of understandable it's a little bit cheap shoty and it's against everything they kind of stand for or stood mm. for should i say i am um, yeah. they they've also the problem with this album in particular with prequel what it's done is it's taken it's taken their what would have been their core audience of kind of meddlers who wanted to be able to take their girlfriends or boyfriends who weren't that into music to a gig and have them enjoy it, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, that's fucking... I'm not saying fucking stupid moths. I'm saying stupid moths, stupid blokes, right? Everybody, <laughs> loads of people, loads of people that have, like, will have a partner that has no interest in music. You know what I mean? They just like whatever's good. You know what I mean, people? What do you like? Everything. That type of shit, yeah. right?
0: I love when you do <laughs> find those... those gar- like. Your girl girlmates who know way more about that fella than music. But yeah. the fella still tries to put it up and you're
1: like Of course. So it's the same fella wearing the same panther shorts for the last twenty five years or whatever. Yeah. That same bullshit. Went and having long so hair ma- in nineteen ninety five, yeah. baldy now wearing the same t shirt, right? Wears yeah. the same ten hole ducks every weekend? Like
0: Your mom, ma- your ma listens to At Gates, she's already
1: way ahead. It's way ahead. <laughs> oh, it's your, listen to hear the last In Flames album, Hang on, I'll stop you there now. Tell you a fella to fuck off. Right. So um, they became one of those bands where it's because there's, there's talking and making like a ghost movie and they released these little videos that had the stories and the fact that the whole they're concept, bad. they're just not good. And the fact that they had the concept <laughs> that there was a new, you know, a new singer for every album. And um, yeah. like the original concept behind that was that when the it's, album it... failed to take down the Catholic church, they would destroy that papa and pull out his brother, who was what, what was it meant to be, six months younger than him because they only take yeah. six months to just date or whatever the fuck, because yeah, they're, yeah. they're anti-Christ spawns. Some, some it's, a, it's, a,
0: it's a great idea, it's just yes. not executed as well as it could be with those videos. Exactly. So,
1: yeah. the Tobias Forge, who's the mastermind behind the, the whole thing, seems to have a great concept of the overall vision, but he doesn't seem to be particularly great at micromanaging the details. Um, Yes. So you get those those YouTube videos that came out and they just look like shit and they're edited like shit and they're just not good.
0: They do they do a phenomenal job of promoting the album though. Exactly. You, you will agree. You will agree. 100%. And, 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 and because Ghost fans now will literally accept anything that Ghost do.
1: Very much so. Now, uh, they I, know, them. Yeah, I know plenty of Ghost fans who have abandoned ship Um. after, oh, yeah, the, for, yeah. after this album and the, the general hijinks of Cardinal I'm, more, and I'm more
0: disturbed by that last. Uh, to the, the double leap, the DP with the, 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 the kiss two the
1: goat and all, it's absolute dirt. Meridian on across and all, it's absolutely now. Those songs will bury into your head and they won't leave, but they're not ghost songs, and they're it's not that so they're old, not, So, so will fly without wings, though. Yeah, exactly. Like, that—that I'm not gonna say they're bad, they're just dirt. They they should, you should have just had another project to do them. Now, what I'm gonna say as well, you just nailed something there that I was going to say was that the the original concept behind Ghost was that it was supposed to be a band that first existed in the 60s and that had been forgotten about and rediscovered right, in the early 2000s mm. or whenever they first came around. Right, So they only got around the kind of Sticking the fucking the, the final nail in that coffin by doing that little EP with Mary on the Cross and Kiss the Go, and they got to release the videos, which showed kind of the whatever fifties or sixties formation of the band. Uh, Back showed, then, the
0: original Papa and exactly Begoing Papa, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Now that ties directly into who they one of, one of their two main influences, right? That we're okay. going to cover now. Now, Ghosts themselves, uh, they're they've very they do some obvious lifts every now and again. Like I think the, the fuck it, there's a couple of uh, direct solo lifts from like ZZ top, and a couple of direct Eagles lifts and stuff like that. You never
0: know which though. They're never direct. They are the second best way you could play. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: they're not,
0: they're not the best, but this is what I have to give the Swedes, man. The Swedes are incredible. Uh, not copying, just creating an alternative version of that song. But yeah, it, it still has m- much of its own merit. Yeah, yeah. Like your man Max Martin, for instance, one of the most famous producers from Sweden who did all Britney Spears stuff. Yeah. He figured out ways of copying famous songs, but not making it too obvious. Like that's yeah. how Oops I, did it. Oops I Did It Again, the Britney mm. Spears song it is That's Woman in Love by Barbara Streisand. But it's also not. <laughs> if you listen to the and M. Yeah, yeah. There's there's origin songs for you there yeah, as well. Exactly. Those two together. Woman exactly. in love and oops, I did it again. But the Swedes way of doing it. That's not
1: a direct balls to the wall ripoff exactly they're the best country in the world for producing uh music without a shadow of a doubt like the, the brits and the yanks do particularly well canadians do solid as well the paddies here we're not too bad the swedes but americans
0: get caught for stealing english get caught for stealing like, yeah the, the swedes
1: are <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but snaky the swedes like. get away with it they yeah, get away because
0: they're good they're good at uh just take i think what i'm trying to say is they copy but they copy well
1: exactly they're very good at copying okay so you've got the concept that the band started in the sixties. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to 1967 with the birth of a band that are known for in particular, one song that doesn't really represent them at all, which is a bit of a course but I'm talking about blue oyster cult. Mm-hmm. So obviously they're fucking known for don't fear the reaper, which is an amazing song, but it doesn't mm-hmm. really sound like blue oyster cult. It's not, it's not a very blue oyster cult song. Um, blue oyster Cult were an occult rock band which is a weird fucking genre, but is a real genre. Um, So occult rock is one of the only musical genres in the world that's not actually defined by how it sounds. It's about content. So if your songs are about... Witches and fucking UFOs or werewolves yeah. or whatever, you know, in a serious way, because there's kind of schlocky rock, you know, there's your monster mm. match stuff, that's not a cult rock. There's all the psychic you're talking about, werewolves yeah. driving down Route 66, that's schlocky shit, you know, that's not a cult rock. Stuff that takes it serious is a cult rock. Now, Blue Oyster Cult would have been one of the first occult bands, and they were kind of set up to be the US version of Black Sabbath. That was essentially their idea. Formed in New York. So, like, we really like what Sabbath are doing. It sounds really good. Why don't we attempt to do that? So they started off doing something similar enough to Sabbath. It was like a hard rock kind of psychedelic kind of style. And then they start messing around, start adding in some kind of proggy shit, and they start messing around with keyboards and all this kind of stuff. And every album they get a little bit more experimental. <laughs> but they always stayed within that occult style because their manager wrote most of their lyrics for them. And the manager was mad into occult stuff. And then uh, yeah. they actually had, they, they used to write a lot of stuff with uh, Patty Smith, of all people as well, which is weird. Patty Smith would write lyrics for them and write music for them. It was Because it's the 60s, yet bands would release their own material and covers and um, kind of ghost written stuff all the time. It was just the yeah, way it was. Their
0: labels would be pushing covers a lot as well.
1: Exactly. So I'm going to play a bit of Blue Oyster Cult here. And uh, the song is called Vengeance. Now, we just played Dance Macabre. Boy, Ghost which is one of their biggest songs it's one of the top three songs wherever it is on Spotify it's a decent enough example of what Ghost can sound like now uh, with a little bit of what they used to sound like um, but I'm going to play Vengeance here which is I think one of the things that M- Ghost were aiming for over the last kind 10-15 of, years this is Vengeance <laughs> Now tell me that doesn't sound like i mean Ghost. you can't you can't argue that <laughs> from, the, from the from
0: the spooky organ at the start going into yep. the the rift that, that goes into the super catchy chorus you yep. can't deny that if you're going to deny that you're a fucking liar and you? you're too into ghosts you might yep. lads people listen to this and around like there are people around the world you could be too into ghosts mm. when you're you're so close up you can't look at the bigger picture sometimes yep. ghosts fuck up that's Ghost.
1: I, I personally think that if you're a big ghost fan and you're listening to this and you're going what the fuck that's bullshit you should look at this the opposite way like there's other music out there that ghosts are yeah. directly influenced by that have multiple albums like fucking tens of albums out there for you to listen to in the same fucking style you know Unfortunately, missed, though, a lot of those bands like aren't as consistent ghosts are consistent
0: I will say this: they release very until lately very little stuff, like the first three albums. I, I'm not even mad about the second one, but it's easy to get into, and it's new yes. and it's kind of addictive. Blue For them, like many albums, the Blue Blue Oyster Cult have and Twelve 13, Black Sabbath yeah. yeah, you see, they're like oh, exactly. Hassle of that. Just gonna deal with this right now. I get
1: that. Exactly. Like your your prototype kind of occult stuff would have been like Iron Butterfly with Gadda Davida and shit like that, you know? So that would have been a massive influence on a lot of bands to hear those kind of hammond organs and the fact it's a little bit dark and evil. Um, yeah. and as I said Ghost definitely started out, out that way like you look at footage of the first couple of gigs where he's coming out with the fucking what do you call it the mincer or sensor or whatever the fuck it's called he's spinning the frankincense showy everywhere and the the whole realm shot- of, sort of I smoke think it's a, like,
0: not a shot, what's it called a s- scepter or something like that yeah what is that
1: called one I think it's, it's a it's not a, it's a, it's a, a sensor you could a sensor. be really right. right. it's a sensor or yeah. something like that yeah you could be and, right um, yeah. <laughs> and he's swinging that around I getting
0: mixed up with shossable shossable is the thing that the Pope wears the, the, the thing the whole Thing. It's
1: just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they've unfortunately they've gone down the direction where they're kind of selling their music, to kind of selling their music, to people who dress up like Heat Ledger Joker and Harley Quinn for Halloween. That's what they're aiming for now. Is kind of it's almost mute, mutant music. It's not far off it. Harley Queens and Heat Ledger Jokers. So that's underneath They have that,
0: lost. They have lost a huge amounts. You're right though. They've, They've lost I loads know, of credibility. I, also see like, you. I know loads of mates who have jumped off the go ship.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 it's gone too jokey. The fact that they don't <coughs> talk about. Fuck you, Chair. Fucking Chair's still falling apart. Um, the fact that, they, that, that there's no reference to like Satanism and, and fucking the devil and the fact that they're out to bring down the Catholic Church and all. Like, that's all gone it's out the I,
0: yeah, I the I think it's more to do with the, no I think they have to drop that every now and then to stay sort of like they're not repeating themselves too much but there is of, well, I mean, well, the, but it's, it's more about the plague which as we know now, is quite relevant
1: yeah very much so very much so um, so you've got Blue Wister Cult who are doing that style of music that is definitely, even you hear the chorus, the way they do the the main riff with a little bit of verse back into the main riff, verse blank, main riff, into the chorus with the big fucking, big hits on the tours or whatever. like It's the same type of thing that Ghosts are known for throughout all the albums. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So then we move up to the early 80s and we move up to another massive fucking influence, like massive influence. Maybe more so on the earlier ghost stuff, maybe the, the, the first and second album, um maybe with the still still definitely elements of of, of the style that, that continued on into like prequel and the, the stuff that comes after. And I'm talking about yeah. King King Diamond.
0: Oh yeah. Even visually like Yeah
1: even visually he's got the black and white face paint and all that. Again not the forced guy to do a Kiss where pretty much the forcing one's to do with, But King Diamond himself is an avowed fucking uh, Satanist, Levayan Satanist as they call it. Hmm. Um, so uh, King Diamond was the singer for Merciful Fate for a long for, for for a while before they broke up. They got back together again and again. Uh, got back together again, and then King Diamond kind of went on hiatus until that was knocked in the head, and then he went back to King Diamond stuff. So the, the Merciful Fate and King Diamond are almost interchangeable, but more so, the King Diamond music, um, is a little bit more applicable to Ghost. But as uh, Tobias coming from like a death metal and a black metal background as well, he's going to be very interested in the things. That merciful fate, and King Diamond had to, had to, had to say essentially, um, yeah. it's an interesting take to see the jump from, like to hear the mash of Blue Oyster and King Diamond because I believe if you took one of them supercomputers that Google had and inputted Blue Oyster Cult and input King Diamond and said write me an album, it will come out like a ghost album. I think you yeah. could sell it as ghost, and I also believe that also if go on sorry. I also believe that, like, if you stripped the vocals out of Blue Oyster Cult, or stripped the vocals out of King Diamond, and played them for somebody now, they would think that it's a ghost song. Like, yeah. th- that's how close we are. Um, now, there's definitely, like I said, there's definitely other bands that get the nod. You'll hear, um, you'll hear Tobias talking about fucking Metallica and all that. And that's where he gets his big kind of stadium, course, you know, thing from. Like the first album was very heavy and kind of Megadeth style riffs, to sounded like a Megadeth album the way it was recorded I'm going to play some it's, more, it's more Megadeth
0: more, more, more Megadeth than Metallica yeah, I find, I, I yeah. think
1: so yeah I think musically it's definitely more Megadeth but I think you wanted that Metallica big stage show big kind of uh, when it started off like Ritual is essentially a fucking Megadeth song like it's a Megadeth riff um, yeah. I think as it goes on you get more into that Metallica black album kind of a little bit slower a little bit more groovy I think that's where they where they went in the end I'm going to play King Diamond. I'm going to play uh, At the Graves of the album conspiracy okay. and uh it's I'm going to jump about a minute and a half in and there uh, have 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 a, a blame at this and tell me if you don't think this is this is ghostly <laughs> King Diamond at the graves, and um, um, again you've got loads more of that like I said the the, the formula that ghost used to kind of to do these little speed hops every now and again in the middle of a verse to kind of accentuate a vocal he probably hasn't written yet, and that's very King diamondy uh you'll yeah. hear that you'll hear that the, him talking and. The, that's fucking yeah. ghosty as fuck. That's King Diamond as fuck as well. Again, you strip the vocals out. King Diamond's known for doing that. <laughs> kind of Iron Maiden sort of stuff. <laughs> but he also, there's other stuff where he's singing in a lower, a lower key. Um, 20, yeah, more, the, more, the high, the high stuff
0: is definitely
1: not. Definitely yeah, not. Far from. Not ghosty, but yeah, no. that's only a small element of King Diamond anyway, really. Exactly. So that's how I got Ghost. You can track it all the way back to Blue Oyster Cult. In particular, that song "Vengeance," but pretty much any blues yeah. cult, you'll definitely yeah. find—you'll find stuff in there. There's so um, many
0: ways you can go. You can go like you mentioned, Black Sabbath. You got Black Sabbath, yeah. Abba, Beach Boys as well. Yeah. But you're right in terms of a few of the elements closer
1: together. Definitely Blue you cult. Yeah, the yeah, Blue goes is it's the closest band. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I think the the look and the feel is King Diamond. I think the music. I yeah. am. Um, and the way the songs are put together is Blue Oyster Cult. I think it's just a combo of those those two two yeah. things. Like um, we, all,
0: we all say like Ghost or this and that, but if you could
1: only pick one, it would have to be that, yeah, especially that yeah. Vengeance song that you play. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Um, and that was Ghost. That's uh, my breakdown of the origins of where ghosts kind of got their style. Now, they obviously have their own kind of shtick that they throw on top of there. But um, yeah, I I think it's those two in particular. It's it's a it's a mash of those two things together. I think if you if you were to get him drunk and talking, honest, he'd probably tell you that like yeah, it's it's them two. Like I like everything else as well, but those two. Yeah, he mentions misfits and the misfits,
0: (laughs) misfits and the Smiths. He is a goth as well, though. He looks Joe Division and and the Petrol. But yeah, he always mentions misfits and Kiss. But you're right though. He used to be, be there,
1: nothing to do with, with ghosts yeah. whatsoever. At all. Yeah. Not, not in the slightest. Not even Danzig yeah. is even close. Um, mm. like There's bits of it, but not really. Danzig, more blues oriented than yeah. and else. Um, that was Ghost. Who was your last one? Just quickly, merch-wise,
0: he's definitely like Kiss. Well, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my next one is... It starts with the origins of a David Bowie song. So I'm going to play that for us. The song is Scary Monsters and Super Creeps from the 1980s album of the same name. So if you play that, but if you keep in mind, like I'm glad you said earlier to keep in mind certain things with drums and stuff like that, because I was about to ask the same for this. Keep in mind the bass pattern and the guitar lick or fills that come in in this song, uh, Scary Monsters and Super Freaks, before I go into the next part.
1: All right, here we go.
2: It was time you
4: can't hide it When I looked at her eyes they were blue but nobody harmed Well she could have been a killer if she didn't walk the way she do And she do She opened strange doors that we never close again
2: so why don't tell us it's waiting for the lights
3: one on me? Scary monsters, so bad griefs. Keep me running, running, scared.
2: Scary monsters, so bad griefs.
3: Keep me running, running scared
1: Take it. David.
0: Who could who could that sound like? I could be wrong about this one, but it, well, like I'm not definitely not wrong. I know for yeah, a fact, hundred percent next, per, next person, next person was definitely influenced by this, but some people may disagree with the songs I've chosen being being a good. But to me, this is the closest the two artists ever touched. Yes. So pl- if you want to play the next song, yeah, I honestly think that this, if you keep in mind, like I said again, the bass pattern and the guitar lick fill, um, for fill. Next song. Here we go.
3: I'm as fake as a wedding cake And I'm vague And I know that I'm homopolitan Pitifully predictable Correctly political
0: Marilyn. Yeah, like, a lot of people might think that, that those two songs don't sound that similar. The more you listen to the both of them, they really, really do. Yeah, they and definitely
1: have a, 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 like a similar thread here.
0: Yeah, like Marilyn Manson for this album, uh, Mechanical Elements Mechanical Animals, She's I really can't talk about it. Uh, embo- <laughs> this character called Omega who's like an ambiguous alien messiah. It's that's Ziggy Stardust. Not, you yeah. know, it's not... But musically, I find the glam element of this song and this album more close to Scary Monsters mm. than I do. Uh, the, the, obviously, the idea and the whole concept of it is... But musically, it's not, playing Mechanical Animals next to Ziggy Stardust is not going to get you much. We yeah. play it next to Scary Monsters. I really think you get that. And we know Marilyn Manson is influenced by Nongers Nails. Yes. Um, it produced his first... Big album under uh, Nothing Records, Anti-Curry Superstar. Mm. He and Thorn is a Bowie fan. We talked about that in the last podcast. That's actually where we came up with this idea. Yes, for this episode Bowie influencing generations more than once with different styles, and even being influenced by Nine Inch Nails again, and then reversing it back forward again. It's fucking brilliant. Um, mechanical Animals could sound like the baby of Nine Inch Nails at their peak and David Bowie at their peak.
1: Yeah, so cool.
0: much. Now, I know that they did have a song. The baby that they did have is called I'm Afraid of Americans, but that's yeah. Bowie at his industrially sort of apex and nine-inch nails. Industrialist. In yeah, so if you put them at their peaks, <laughs> which is Ziggy Stardust versus Downward Spiral, yeah. I think you'd get way closer. You'd get Mechanical Animals as a little growing baby. So, yeah. Like I said, I think that's the closest we have between the two of them. Um Unless you take, for instance, maybe some of the new "We Are Chaos" album, mm. which the song "We Are Chaos" is quite Bowie-esque too. But if I'm being disappointed, I don't really want to pimp Marilyn Manson too much on this podcast mm. until shit is cleared up with him and Evan Rachel Wood testifying in that California thing. Where is there ropey shit I don't know anything about it. Yeah, there is definitely ropey shit and I, although names aren't out there all the signs are pointing to marilyn manson being the one who abused evan rachel wood in the relationship she's she she literally went to court about years later but people don't go to court years and years later mm. unless you know, something happened to them so like speculation aside marilyn manson has even said you know what i mean he had violent fantasies about evan rachel wood yeah he describes like patterns of emotional abuse and he said like he said on Christmas Day in 2008. It's fucking 12 years ago. He called her 158 times, and every time he called her, he took a razor blade and cut either his face or his hands. Every time Zap. she didn't answer, sap, sap,
1: sap, sapulation Zap. Zap.
0: station. Do you know what? That, that's what sort of maybe I really think. Not that I wouldn't put the ball in the record anyway. Really is because, like, when you do that much drugs, what's your perception anymore? of reality yeah, true. and how you, how you treat people and stuff like that you know what I mean so look I don't want to go into too much about that because that's uh, Jesus is still up in the air mm. but I don't at the same time like, I remember, like, I'd this is remembering I had already this song picked before I realised that has to be sort of trouble Mm, mm. like i'm a big steeper marlon, man. marlon manson himself is a fucking prick uh, he cancelled a dublin gig i had tickets for he made an absolute show of himself at the one gig i did finally get to go and see him for yeah. i skipped the last time uh, he was playing a festival that i was at because fuck that gun. and apparently yeah. it was a great gig don't care anymore because he, Missed warned, it. Me he warned me twice warned me twice
1: yeah I, I i loved manson I, when anti Christ superstar I know, came, yeah came, I, I, my whole life changed and uh I went People would say,
0: there's nothing like it. There was, but
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. No, I, I loved it. I loved it. Because I, I obviously liked White Zombie and all that kind of shit and Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. So it slotted in the filled that kind of gap between the two very well. I was never as much into the stuff that came after it. Like, I do enjoy this album. I do enjoy Mechanical Animals. And there's one or two other albums that were fun. Um But I don't think any of them ever had the impact on me that uh, Antichrist had. Antichrist was so fucking strange and weird and it was just the right time for me i remember having the yeah. cd copy of it and i pulled out in religion class because i had all these like satanic symbols and shit all over it. and the the history teacher, <laughs> sorry the, the religion teacher he was also my history teacher and um, just destroying it just like they're two out. completely different things yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i know it was mad but he was they, the same teacher. they cross over a lot but they're definitely yeah. different things he yeah. was the same teacher i'm saying my history teacher i was saying guy on um done religion and I remember I just I pulled I pulled out and I was looking at it and he was going through it and he, he was he pulled it apart. He was like, you know like when you foul this and to this and it makes a new symbol on he said that's like graphic design. He said that's like someone's job. That was what, Marilyn Manson didn't like pull this out of a portal to hell or anything like that. Like some bloke sat in front of the computer <laughs> made this and he went through this whole big rigmarole about how albums are made and designed and at yeah. the end of it I was like oh, maybe he's not the devil but I like his music <laughs>
0: God,
1: fuck, I fucking love the album. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, now look at the first two for me are incredible. Hollywood is some good stuff and after that, people yeah. will always keep Marlon fans keep going, he's back, baby. Every he's single him. he's no. back, baby. He hasn't been back. No, he's Even mad looking, looking old, as well. Mad looking. Fucking weird, man. Like people always say he looks like Nicholas. He does cos- yeah. cosplay Marlon or something. Yeah. look, like, um I I haven't listened to a huge amount of the album, I listened to a bit of it. I'm like, <laughs> it sounds like the same shit. He does this thing, right, where it, loads of acoustic songs, I'm like, gin, gin. Yeah. I don't it does nothing for me, man. No. There's, there's a few songs, there's a few acoustic songs that start like I think Coma White off this album, uh, Mechanical Almost 1998, I think it is. Um, are brilliant because it later on goes into a Acoustic Marilyn Manson is absolutely nothing for me, and he he fills it out this? now with this, and it's just the same. Ginger, the new love is a rose in my eyes. Shut the fuck up! No, no, not point yeah. at all. man. I don't like no. it. I don't no. like, no. like new Manson. I know. I think he's back with his producer again. I think Sean Bean might be actually on this. I could be wrong. Well, he lost his band. He lost his producers. He lost his songwriters. Yeah, it's a sap released a lot of shock and shite and talked a lot of bollocks along the way I Fuck like Marlon Manson's music early stuff but uh, I'm, 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 I'm touching this with gloves, man right now yes, to be perfectly yes. honest you. I really am ready ready to drop him um, like a hot And um, that's that's our origins I think thank that's, god we'll finish on that delicious I wouldn't
1: name. have been able to do that. they hurt doing them for some reason
0: that's, I still think that was a strong fucking episode yeah, that's to say at the end of the episode but it was, was like, for me I'll say I enjoyed it. You might want to edit that I day. did enjoy that.
1: No, we're going to leave it in. Fuck it, fuck them. <laughs> I think that was the final episode. No, so that, yeah, that's it for this week. We're back uh, next week. We're back on Saturday night with a live show. We're back on Monday with a podcast. Um, you can support us if you like doing that sort of thing. You can go to patreon.com forward slash lost our podcast, and um, that keeps us alive really and truly. You can go to Kofi dot forward slash Lost Art Podcast and just tip us that on like three dollar increments. You don't want to subscribe monthly subscription job fine. Throw a few up, up. You don't want to pay any money. That's fine as well. Just go and review us, share us, whatever. Like sharing is the easiest thing you can do. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to do much. Uh, Facebook just wants us to pay. It doesn't no. matter. So it tells people to share us. Yeah. It doesn't matter.
0: Facebook are killing small businesses now <laughs> at the most perfect time. Fair play to us. They're yeah. saying they're giving away a lot of free advertising money, but you have to give bank statements and all. A few people were telling yeah. me bank yeah. statements and tax returns. Facebook, absolutely fuck off. You know enough about us. You want all that shit as well. What exactly. I will say though is another great thing is we get, it's not a massive thing, but if you like, like Kim for instance this week talks about a bit she liked on the thing. It just gives us a little bit of, oh, that person liked that bit? They were listening. A, a thing happened. We changed something. Yes, yeah, you know what I mean, so so comments on bits that you like as well. Absolutely love hearing back what you think about. Yeah, that after. makes it.
1: That's a big deal. Being able to, yeah. um, being able to kind of know that people listen to the whole thing or whatever. It's, it's great. Yeah, it is fantastic. It really is. Uh, so yeah, that's it for this week. We are going to record another one out for Patreons, Dirty Bastards, because uh, we haven't done it <laughs> strictly for them in a while.
0: Yeah.
1: So uh, this may be maybe the start of a new thing that we're going to do for them. Uh, until then. We shall see you next Monday for a fresh podcast or we'll see you on a Saturday for some sort of live malarkey. Uh, Until then, good night. See you later. Night, thanks.